Food Court, the movie podcast where John and Chris watch shit, talk shit, and most importantly, eat eat shit. shit. We are the law. Wow. That was pretty good. Honorable Chris Crofton presiding in, you might have noticed, Sean's not here. It's just me, John Burr. But I brought in my buddy, Chris Crofton. Can you actually hear me? Oh. Over the noise of all this yeah. shit out? Yeah, you get like a nice shithouse vibe. You can hear me over the din of late-stage capitalism? It's like a carnival of souls, of lost souls, and then and then we hear your lost I've soul never, over I rarely come to the mall, and especially I don't, well, I mean. This is a, by the way, folks, this is a weekend mall experience, which Sean and I almost never do. We usually come here like... Tuesday at 11.30 a.m. This is prime. Like, these animals are in heat. This is mating season. Whenever I come into a mall like this, I see the the no, the, the voice of that guy who said, oh, the humanity when the Hindenburg, the Hindenburg crashed. <laughs> I always hear that. We're going to get your ear pierced at Claire's. We're going to get you a yeah. giant cookie that says your name on it. And then we're going to see a picture. Well, honest to God, I saw um, a hat, one of those hat kiosks where you can get something put on a hat rhinestone cold brew got me like just to fulfill <laughs> just to go all the way with that stupid idea and well, really make the haters mad well i feel like since you've moved to la there's no way i'm gonna be able to talk you into eating any of this shit at the food court that's true so maybe i'll get you that hat i'll have to call my therapist <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what is a what does a los angelino do when confronted with 17 or so truly unhealthy options of well, eating. you know what the thing is? It's really less to do with that and the fact that I just recently turned 50. <laughs> and, and and back in the day, you could eat, like, do gag eating. Like, you could eat funny things. Right. And, like, that'd be funny. Like, oh, I ate a whole fucking meat rope from yeah. a gas station. Like, that's not funny anymore because yeah. you get, like... You know, you get... Your stomach gets upset and... and you, have, you have a bit that actually, like, sort of changed my life because you would talk about how people would get drunk and eat an entire week's worth of old Western heroes' rations oh, yeah, yeah. while drunk. Like, That's eat a right. whole bag of beef jerky. I did that all the time, and I used to, yeah, and I always oh, wondered yeah. if my body was, like, some sort of old cowboy part of my body would be like, oh, I guess we're going on a long ride. Yeah, and I'd think about it, and, like, I'd eat, like, six packets of Dippin' Dots, like astronaut food. Yeah, and, like, your old, like, like... Well, because I went, speaking of the therapist, I had a dream about a horse and, and like, like where I was riding a horse or something. And he's like, well, a horse is imprinted in man's imagination deep down from thousands of years of riding horses. And I told my boss that, and he was like, my boss at the wine bar, and he doesn't like therapists to begin with. And he sure. was like, that's a bunch of horse shit. Is he like 62? Man hasn't been riding horses long enough. For that to be the case, they're not imprinted in man's psyche. They didn't start riding horse. You know what I mean? Like he had. This guy's never read Equus, I guess. But yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I think that, like, some part of your body might be like, if you eat a lot of jerky, it it might be like, oh, it's you know, some like historic part of your body might be like, oh, it's time for a ride. Sure. You know, we're probably going to old Mexico, old Mexico or whatever. <laughs> but I used to eat enough jerky for a long journey and then go directly to sleep without brushing my teeth. <laughs> Do you ever like eat like, uh, I don't know, K-Rats or hardtack? <laughs> no, I know about hardtack, um, but I've never eaten hardtack, but I I bet you could get some here under a different name. Anything under the sun. In fact, I, while I was setting up the uh, high-tech equipment, our recording equipment, it's like gorillas in the mist shit here, uh, I sent K- uh, Chris to get uh, a Diet Coke and a drink for himself, and he failed twice. 
There's no way to get a Diet Coke in this area. He came back, came back empty-handed not once but twice. I had a showdown with a man who only stocks Pepsi, which is like <laughs> another Tennessee thing. Like, there's nowhere in the world where you can't get a Diet Coke and somebody's going to... In fact, you're supposed to be able to just say Coke and it can mean any soft drink, well, right? I, I, was like, thing? I was looking around at the guy's stuff. This is like a little convenient. So we're in this mall and we're in this food court, this big, big food court surrounded by, the you would think, groups. Diet Coke. But... Um, <laughs> But you can't get one unless you go to wait in line and then you get, like, it's a fountain Coke from, like, you know, you can get a fountain Diet Coke from, from a, Burger King, but I don't feel like waiting in line. I just wanted a, From a Cajun restaurant that's actually a Chinese restaurant. I just wanted, yeah, I just wanted a Coke. And I went to see this man, and he has, like, a little um, convenience store kiosk here, and I just was looking around, and he kind of, he said, may I help you? And kind of, he had a little attitude, and right. I said... Do you have Diet Coke, which is probably something that happens to him all day long. And he said, I don't carry Coke. Like, <laughs> as if I would know what evil shit Coke did that would make it. He acted like I was complicit in whatever shit that made him mad at Coke. Mm. I don't know anything about Coke. I don't know Just why. Pepsi man through and through. Maybe Coke's distributors are mean to him. I don't know. But he seemed... This is why he got moved off the perfume kiosk. He didn't just let me know that he didn't have Diet Coke. He also let me know that... Implicitly, the Coke was somehow a rotten organization, and by extension, I was rotten for wanting a Diet Coke. Wow. So there was a lot of attitude. You wouldn't expect... Well, I guess that's the politics that's of food when you courts. Sh- that's when you shift to It's Fanta. not about Syria here. It's about Coke versus Pepsi. Absolutely. Everything gets distilled down to things like Forever 21 or The Gap. Are you upset about impeachment? No, I'm mad at Coke. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe they closed the Euro store. I'm mad at... <laughs> Are you upset about the war? Pepsi versus Coke? Forget it. So, Chris, if I were to somehow convince you to eat at one of these 17 or so establishments, what are the front runners? Probably Panda Express because it seems like sort of healthy or something. Right. I think that's their business model. Yeah. Insert themselves into the most unhealthy foods known to man and appear to be the the healthy option. Yeah, and the slogan should be healthy or something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then all you're getting is, like, butter noodles covered in orange chicken. And it's probably the most per calorie, the highest caloric intake of all. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I would get that or I would get, well, Pyramids Cafe looks like it's trying to be sort of healthy. All I'm trying to do is not get fat because I'm single. Right. That's all it is. I, I would eat garbage all the time. It's like novelty alcohol drinking. Like, sure. when, when you're young and you're drinking, you can drink, like, a bunch of... I'm going to get the b- giant blue drink. Yeah, you can get whatever, and yeah. your body will just flush it out. in a boot. Yeah, it'll flush it out. So you can drink yeah. bubblegum flavor, flavored vodka or whatever and have a hoot. Yeah, the worst thing that's going to happen to you is you have a kind of unpleasant bowel movement. Yeah. Now you might just not wake up. As you get older, you'll end up with a <laughs> with a with some kind of fat deposit that's entirely made of bubblegum vodka. So you can't risk. Like, I don't. So gag eating for me is kind of just like out the window. Right. At my age. And when you say gag eating, you don't mean I'm going to purge this later. You mean for the laughs. Yeah, I mean eating, like, for fun. Yeah, like being like, oh, boy, look, I, what, I'm, look what I'm about to eat. I'm about to eat, like, a... I a, once stopped at that Amarillo restaurant and tried to eat the 72-ounce steak. Yeah, exactly. As a That's gag. gag eating, yeah. And then, like, it, it, and it's literally gag eating, too, because you get sick. The guy did it with shit his pants. And uh, now I look back at the pain I felt afterwards, and I realize... That wasn't gag eating. I think I was about to die. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I got like and I got like 30 ounces of steak in me, but your heart just starts pumping in a way it's not supposed to. 
Yeah, you're not supposed to eat. I mean, you're not any culture where you're eating novelty amounts of food. I mean, it's like gone a fatted calf. You've gone wrong. Yeah, yeah. like the the culture. Bacchus. You're not supposed to be able to eat extra food for fun. That's how Rome fell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give me my feather. You end up getting played by yeah. Malcolm McDowell in a movie that's, if you're in that. Society. Yeah, that's what they were doing. They were eating giant amounts, and then they wanted to experience more flavors, so they would. Like they're like, oh, I can't put anything else in my mouth, so they would stick a feather down their throat at the vomitorium <laughs> and eat more. Feather, That's what they really did. Feather down their throat and up their butt, probably also. That was for a different thing. But the uh, Cajun Grill here. Let's see what we got around here. We got the Cajun Grill. We got the Popeyes which I'm sure with the is, new sandwich. I'm sure is about as Cajun as Wonder Bread. Oh yeah, we they got, have they have what's called bourbon chicken. Bourbon chicken, please try. Go- Guess what? It's General Tso's. Pyramids Cafe, <laughs> which is some kind of like Eero, gyro place. Yes, absolutely. Popeyes, which everybody knows what that is. Look at the line to Popeyes, by the way. The line right. at Popeyes is huge. The line at Starbucks is huge. The lines in general are giant and discouraging if you're not into waiting, which I'm not. But waiting is like a thing people do on the weekends. Most people do that on the weekends. Like, right. what are you going to do this weekend? You wait. To wait, wait in line. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, we're not going to wait in line for the movie because we've already picked, we've already purchased two tickets to the new Renee Zellweger starring biopic Judy. I'm concerned. Judy, Judy, Judy. It's about Judy Collins. Yes, it's about Judy Collins. No, it's about Judy Garland. Uh, Chris and I share a fascination with dead famous folks, so I could think of no better flick for us to see. Honestly, there's a Rambo movie in theaters that would be very easy to make fun of, but I think this will be better. For yeah. our uh, leanings. If you haven't died by, if you haven't died by suicide, I'm not interested in your music. <laughs> right. That's basically my model. If you <laughs> haven't put your lips over a shotgun or inside of a plastic bag, really, who are you? Yeah. How serious were you about missing your baby? <laughs> <laughs> Some what over the rainbow? Kill yourself. Yeah, exactly. Now. Then I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, let's uh, let's uh, let's follow the yellow brick road. Let's saunter on down to the Cinemaplex. Okay. Court will... I'm going to try and get a mocha on the way, but... We're going to get you that giant cookie. Don't you worry. Okay. Order in the court. Court is back in session. I'm back here with the Honorable Chris Crofton presiding. Chris, we saw Judy. Hey, first of all, just because I'm old doesn't mean I'm the honorable Chris Crofton. It's food court. We got a gimmick here, man. I'm also Do you call everybody honorable? Look, I'm going to put... Actually, you know what? Because I don't get to host usually. Sean is the host. Oh. I'm doing all kinds of shtick we don't usually do. Okay, because... Yeah. The dishonorable Chris Crofton. Right now, Chris, I'm going to put you on the stand. Talk to me like I'm a hot 25-year-old. Zellweger age? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to put you on the stand. I need to know... What just happened in the movie we saw? Okay, we just saw a movie called Judy, right? That's trite. About, uh... It was trite. About Judy Tenuta. <laughs> it was a biopic about that comedian. Um, it wasn't really. It was about Judy Garland, a well-known folk singer. Um, so, yeah, we saw... It was a, it was a biopic... Yeah. It's not biopic. Some people say biopic. Is it biopic? I, I think that started as a gag, and now it's just infected our I minds. I think it's biopic. So anyway, I'm a biopic guy. Yeah, because I think it, there's it's too much of a, of a coincidence that myopic and bio, biopic rhyme. I think that's just a... 
So biopic, yeah. So, you know, generally I'm not a fan of biopics because, I mean, like, because it's like watching an impersonation. It's like watching a, an impressionist for an hour and a half. Right. Like, I would like to see, say, the the biography, of, a biopic of Judy Garland when Judy Garland is played by Samuel Jackson. Like, you know what I mean? Like, sure. that'd be interesting to me. Interpret for me, Sammy. Like, where it's not just like we cast the person who looks the most like the person. Like, right. that's not an interesting casting reason for me, this, Us- this was usually. almost as if they, this was the only way Zellweger could read, sustain her career was like, which famous dead person do I look most like? Right. Like, I always think it's kind of a cheap, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it's not art if you're starting the process of making the art by finding the person that looks most like something. Right. For me. So I always have wanted to see a biopic of, like, Amelia Earhart starring... Uh, Sylvester Stallone or whatever. <laughs> or, you know, or... Uh, or um, Nothing is over. I just got to get across the Pacific. <laughs> yeah, like... Um, and, and You're going to love Rambo Last Blood, then. Or I'd like to see... <laughs> I'd like to see, like, a biopic of um, Winston Churchill, where he, Winston Churchill is played by um, Ralph Macchio or something like that. I don't know why Ralph Macchio. I couldn't think of any other male actors besides Ralph, Ralph Macchio. I just went through my whole Rolodex. Couldn't even do Billy Zabka? Who's that? That's the bad guy. In this movie? In, uh, in Karate Kid. The anti-Macchio. Is but whatever. Yeah, I just think a lot of times biopics are, to me, just just an impersonator gone too long. Do you guys remember Rich Little? If you don't, he was like an impersonator in the 70s. He was always on I Johnny Carson. Yeah, so, so it's... But I will say that I thought Renee Zellweger did a great impression. Was great. She? she was great in this movie. <laughs> I mean, she really did do a good job. And in the end, I did feel, even though it was a by the by the book, Wikipedia style biopic, she pursed her lips longer than Linda Lovelace in Deep Throat. It was well, yeah, surprising. definitely. Um, <laughs> let me let that sink in. What you just <laughs> the gag you obviously been holding in. Ah, all through this movie, you've been waiting. Baby. Yeah, right. <laughs> It was written to, on your <laughs> written on your hand. Uh, <laughs> it's my favorite thing of being friends with comedians is anytime you say something funny, they scowl at you well, and then ask how long you've been biting that one. That, <laughs> so, so yeah, like um, Renee Zellweger, the main thing that she decided made her look like Judy Garland is to to purse her lips. She made a Don Knotts face. She pursed her lips like crazy. Two hours and She looked minutes. like she just ate a, a rancid pickle for the she whole fucking... She had one of those Sour Patch Kids we yeah. thought about buying. I mean, that was it. She sucked <laughs> on a lemon and then she was in character. But aside from, aside from that, it was a pretty shitty biopic. Like, it was a by-the-book, like, all the stock characters. Oh, like, yeah. Even the stock characters, all the stock characters that were supposed to be mean or over-the-top mean. Right. Like that lady who... Oh, we're, sta- we're going to get to her. Okay, so it started with y- young Judy Garland being abused by... Louis B. Mayer. By Louis B. Mayer. As played by Fat Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it was kicked off by... It was an odd beginning, I thought, where yes. the guy was just reading... Or like telling her horrible shit. The entire framing device is quite strange. We just we're going back and forth. Well, you go. Maybe you're good at this. So I mean, maybe you do this for a a living. I know you make a good (laughs) living off this podcast. So 
you go ahead and talk about the film. No, I liked your your summary well, was it. just fine. Well, it was a bad it. impression of Judy Garland's life. Yeah, but it was you like did it. it did like I will say that I I did enjoy like I was ready to hate this movie because I really don't like biopics a lot of the time, but I did eventually well, Chris, um, appreciate Renee Zellweger's job that well, she luckily, did. Luckily, Chris, we have a segment just for such an occasion. What's the it called? The gyro hero hero of the picture, where you tell us your favorite thing from the movie you just saw. Oh, are there other parts of this, like things you do for the podcast? Oh, man, we got shtick coming out our ears. Well, then tell me what... What was your favorite part? That Your hero, as it were, or heroine, maybe, in this point. My favorite part of the movie? Yeah. Um, probably... Or person or thing. Could be a bit of set. Well, dressing. it was obviously Renee Zellweger's performance. She was the only one who got to do anything. Everybody else was like a fucking end table. It was crazy. Compared to it was it was like a Denzel or a Tom Cruise movie. It was like she was the only famous person, even in the movie. Like Michael Gambon shows up and farts loudly, and that's it. Who's Michael Gambon? I think he was the other actor you might have liked. <laughs> who like, was that? The British guy who hires her to do to rejuvenate her career. Oh well, he was good at what he did, but he yeah. just had to be a cartoon. Right, um, Brit. Yeah, stuffy Brit. A lot of cartoons, and then and then Renee Zellweger doing a fairly, I think, soulful performance of of what she thought Judy Garland was pro- like. I liked her quite a bit until we were we. I, I think we endured six full songs. Yeah, her singing was not. I mean, it, she has a strong voice, but it's kind of flat. Yeah, and it and it. And it, her impersonation of Judy Garland kind of went in and out when she would sing. Well, it's kind of hard, yeah. She had to, like, keep yeah. that pickle face going while pretty, she was singing, and that's difficult. Pretty flawless until she, she would sing. It's hard to, like, sing big notes and squint yeah. at the same time, and that's what she was having to do. because It's not like Elvis where doing the lip kind of helps you sing like Elvis. Judy Garland apparently, you know, because I think Judy Garland had a really small face. So part of, like, Renee Zellweger's acting technique was to just, you know, squint and suck her lips together. Right. Which is, yeah, when, when you start singing, that's impossible to do. <laughs> um, like, your na- eyes naturally open. So she was trying to wrestle with her face and sing at the same time, which is difficult. And from what I, I understand... It's the hardest part of acting qu- is wrestling with your face. Right. <laughs> from what I understand, Zellweger's had quite a lot done to her face already so there's probably not a lot of movement going on there it's probably very taxing just to get the motion it's even harder yeah because you throw in botox and then oh god botoxing makes squints squints even harder than that her face has been contorted to like tommy lee jones level cragginess well i do have to say that i thought the first time i saw renee zellweger's face after the facelift i was very sad because she was uh Attractive and 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 uh, you I know think she's still pretty attractive, just in a totally different way. Yeah, but she didn't way. look like the same person. Right, like yep. her cuteness was gone, and she just looked like um, I mean, she looked like a whole different person. But right. I thought like maybe she got her facelift loosened or something, maybe took it down a couple <laughs> notches because she looks a little better. I, I feel like she is recognizable. Sure, but maybe I, I might just be used to her new I face. Think, I think there's just different levels of rhinoplasty. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it when I first saw her after her first round of. Oh yeah. Um, before they took a ratchet set and it's like 16 presidencies backed it off two twists men your hair just grays women you just get your skin tightened to the point where your eyeballs sink inward and your chin juts outward are you talking about general aging? (laughs) yeah I guess so Um, (laughs) well 
so I think that they didn't give any of the other characters any dimension so or dimensions so they so she shined but she could have shined she could have done just as well if they made the other characters better sure but I don't know the other characters just served like this is the gay community this is the black community. Oh, they were the best. This is the, yeah. Okay, well, they were they were given they were the only ones who were given right anything, and then it was sort of a stereotype. I felt like sure it was uh, an objectification at the very least. There was a gay couple in the film. If you haven't seen it, um, which you, I would say you don't have to see this movie. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to see it. You could certainly see it on cable television. It had um, a very BBC movie feel to it. Like yeah. that was the level of quality of the production. I felt. Yeah, it had a TV movie kind of quality yeah. to it. Like Kurt Douglas, or Kurt, Kurt Russell is Elvis Presley, like that level. Yeah, a little. I mean, a little bit. It was not, I mean, there was no reason you had to see it on the big screen. Right. Um, that being said, I didn't hate it, but it was. For me, let me do my hero of the picture. Because I have a test, I have a barometer. It's called the walk the line test. The walk the line line. Was this more or less tolerable than the bio Johnny Cash biopic Walk the Line? Now, this is interesting because I just lied to someone and saw, said I saw that movie and I didn't see it. Okay, well, this movie is better than Walk the Line. And to me, that's the point of tolerability for biopics. Really? Because I am a piece of trash who will watch almost any biopic. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I will, especially if they're dead and especially if they were a speed freak, which this checks both those boxes. Right. So I'm into this. And it was just good enough. And in fact, if the, the ending is rough. The ending is very, very rough. And I felt like you were losing it during the well, ending. Well, it got overly sentimental. And they could have just ended it. In fact, without the. We'll move to the. We'll move to the second segment of the show. The low main low man of the totem pole. Your least favorite part of the movie, Chris. What was your least favorite part of this flick? Well, I would have to say that the, the, probably the uh, Hollywood party where um, uh, Liza, Liza Minnelli. Minnelli was hosting the party and looked nothing like Liza Minnelli at all, even though they went to great trouble to make Judy Garland look like Judy Garland. I mean, fucking Renee Zellweger was twisting her face all out of shape to look like Judy Garland, and then they straight up cast a person who's supposed to be Liza Minnelli who looks nothing like was Liza Minnelli. Was that Selena Gomez? I don't like, know. Was that it could have been anybody. Person? didn't look anything like Liza Minnelli. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're going to go to the trouble of making fucking Judy looks so authentic. I don't know why you wouldn't go to at least a little trouble to make Liza look like Liza. But anyway, they had that scene, and that whole scene was, that's where she met her husband. Yes. Who was like an obvious loser, and they didn't really make it clear exactly why I mean, they didn't even make it, they didn't really make it clear why Judy Garland had such taste in such obviously corrupt men. I believe it was abject loneliness was the cause I guess they so. went with. But he was basically a 19-year-old version of Andrew Dice Clay. But the weirdest thing is that he, well, the scene, I think it was funny because the way they, they stayed up all night, I guess, right, making a, a house of cards or like a pyramid of beer cans over some hipster. Hippie. Yeah, or like the, <laughs> there was a passed out man and they made a, a beer can pyramid around him and then they slammed I mean, a piano. If that's not a meat cute, Chris, that doesn't do it for you. And then You're they slammed gone. a piano down, and then the hipster woke up, or the drunk guy. I, I felt bad for that actor who played the guy who was laying laying underneath the beer can pyramid because I realized he moved to Hollywood and probably had ho- high hopes, and he was he was uh, pretty much literally a carpet played played a 
played a carpet. That was his Dorothy role. So, uh, the actor that played the husband or her Rufus future Sewell. husband. Oh no, no. Okay, yeah, the, the boyfriend. Husband, yeah. His he had no. He adopted a Goomba accent. About a third of the way like through the Like a Joey Botafuco accent, like <laughs> later in the film that he didn't have at all when she met him. Which is... Um, it was a so choice. I, so I guess I don't, I don't like that scene because um, I feel like he did seem somewhat charming at the party, and I kind of understood why she would get involved in him, but then later he became so intolerable I didn't understand why she would have ever gotten involved with him. Like, I mean, he changed his whole... He became a, an obvious moron. I guess that kind of ties in with Miley's favorite thing about it, which is that it pretty much... I don't think Judy Garland's... And this is kind of like a Judd Apatowism. The only thing they made likable about Judy Garland was her desire to be a good mother. Yeah, that's true. They didn't bother to be like, look at this amazing artist. Or even like... They were just like, yeah, she's really good at singing. And she wants to be a good mom. They didn't really give her any other virtues at all. So it's just like, and they tried to like, another, they tried to like explain to you why she had no virtues, be it like this horrific version of Louis B. Meyer or this hysterical school marm handler of young Judy Garland. You remember this? There's well, like, yeah, this goes, like a lady to, the, this goes to the cartoon of aspects of, like, if, the, if her boyfriend's such a cartoon idiot, then that makes it the woman just like who, everything who, was such an extreme cartoon that it didn't give you any information as to what Judy Garland's motivations were because she seemed incredible she seemed very smart and compassionate and she just had a drug problem but then right. when it came to her decision making it was like it made no sense because she, but that's because she was surrounded by these caricatures of people so you couldn't yeah. you couldn't discern much about her it's from hard to her feel inter- sorry for someone when you don't believe what is happening yeah them. the interactions around her didn't fill in her character at all because everyone was just doing a stock character around her right the, the woman who raised her which is not her mother we're never even given her a name of her is so dour that she makes Nurse Ratchet look like the Kool-Aid man it was like an insane character and then Louis B. Meyer was like this like super evil dark villainous like Ned Beatty from Network type character yeah I mean <laughs> It got the message across, but it also made it cartoonish. Yeah, in such like a fatuous because way. Because the lady was who was like, because the thing is, they didn't want Judy Garland. I guess Louis Mayer and all of them were concerned that Judy was going to gain weight all the time when she was a child actress. Right. Which led to you know lifetime eating disorder, as it does, and um, and so they're like, for some reason they're like, as as a young starlet, there's like cake everywhere. Seems like it's like always a cake. <laughs> And uh, and uh, at least back then it was like an all cake economy apparently in Hollywood back in the whenever that was twenties thirties I don't know. Uh, so like anytime Judy Garland came near a cake, this horrible woman who was like over the top mean. I mean she was like I get she was like don't eat that cake, Judy. Mickey Rooney's like trying to give her cake. Yeah, or you're gonna get fat. <laughs> I mean it was like real heavy. And uh, but that lady. Nurse Ratchet, did you already say? I'm afraid so, yes. Yeah, that's what she seemed like. <laughs> yeah. She seemed like Nurse Ratchet, except Nurse Ratchet seemed nicer. Yes, yes. And Nurse, that's, Nurse Ratchet was a more. Nurse Ratchet was a straight up character. piece of shit, too. And so <laughs> yeah. that's so she was even worse. She seemed like Joseph Goebbels or. 
Right. I mean, it was just like she was so evil. It was like she was in a different horror movie. She was like in a horror movie. They could have at least given her like more Wicked Witch correlations well, it's not if you're going to go that far. Yeah, it's not a horror movie. They yeah, they should have totally played dun, 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 when she came on the screen. If you're going to go this far with some of the like impressions, let's go all the way. Let's like have different that would have been celebrities funny. show up. That would have been you know, so let's funny. Have Jimmy Stewart like, oh, you, you can't eat all that cake. You're going to be a fat little girl. Like, uh, that would have been great if she said like, don't eat cake and then a house fell on her. Yeah, if Ronald Reagan just like the witch. Yeah, just like the witch. Yeah, absolutely. They should have done that. If you're going to go fantastic, give me full fantasy. Yeah, it was um, now I'm not, I always feel like that I should add the thing that I don't know how to write a biopic. Everybody in my biopic would be a caricature too. I don't know how you can draw when you got to get through it in an hour, an hour and a half. No, they didn't do that. But you can do it. Yeah. You can do it. You can do better. What are the good biopics? You can do fuller characters than that and still bring it in under sure. two hours if, if you're... They definitely went with the we have one character in this film approach. I mean, I never saw The English Patient, but I feel like probably... <laughs> I mean, how long was that? It wasn't like seven hours long. It was probably about the same length as this. I think so. So, yeah, the, 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 like modern movies take too long to do just cartoon versions of shit. Well, I think I don't feel like we needed all six full renditions of Renee Zellweger singing these goddamn songs. That was a little much. But I yeah. do think they also had an audience to uh, they had an audience to satisfy, which they decided to objectify with these two gay English gentleman that she that spends was, a strange night with. Yeah, there was a gay couple in the film that was there as a device to show... Could have been played by us. We definitely were mistaken for the gayest of couples while watching this film. Yeah, we went to, we went to see a Judy Garland movie where Mid-day. two men in the middle of the day and we're both wearing blazers. <laughs> we're both wearing novelty blazers. Yeah. Like, we're both wearing sort of... <laughs> except then... Like we if you saw two together. if you saw two dudes together wearing blazers at a Judy Garland biopic in Tennessee, where we are, um, you would maybe think that you'd probably say they're probably gay. But then if you also throw in what John's wearing, in, uh, he's wearing a brooch. Uh, yeah, of a, of a bird, a Hummingbird. gold brooch. He's wearing a bunch of rings. He has a is a medallion on. I described him earlier as kayfabe. Uh, Gorgeous, gorgeous George, gorgeous. George. <laughs> Got to stay in character. No one's gonna know what that means, but um, if you do, then that's a great joke. Liza Minnelli fans will know. Um, so anyway, yeah. So we were just. Um, we had a gay whole time. We were in the movie. There was a gay couple that looked sort of similar to us. Yes. You yeah. were the. <laughs> you know which one you were. I know. I, I was the. the piano. I was the frumpy one. Yeah, yes. you were the one who played the piano. <laughs> so the. <laughs> So this gay couple was in the movie, and I, that was actually a touching part, but I did feel like they were a cartoon of of gay men because the one guy sobbed, and, right. he, and he like he put his hand up to his face. like and he There bent, was a top and a bottom. He bent his hand way back yeah. like when he put his hand up to his face to like hide his tears, and it was yes. sort of like pretty stereotypical stuff. Oh, yeah, it got very Forrest Gumpy and, there. And it was meant to show that Liza Minnelli liked gay people. I mean, that yes. was their specific... It was a tip of the hat. They were to brought Judy in Garland's cult following of gay men, and also to just show that she was like An, a gay icon. On top of, she wasn't just a a pill taker; she was also open minded. And it was frankly unnecessary because if you're at the movie Judy, you know that she was a gay icon. 
<laughs> yeah, I like that scene. I mean, I, I thought the acting was those guys did the best acting of the film. Probably so. Other, than, I do agree that Renee Zellweger was pretty good. At and this. oh, and Renee Zellweger yeah. definitely. But the other people were not. Right. Probably could have done fine, but it seems like they were given probably pretty like. Although broad and guy, guy who played Lonnie like, Donegan took my breath away, just like him. Oh yeah, there's this guy Lonnie Don who played Lonnie Donegan. Really nailed the soul of skiffle music. <laughs> uh, did, did you recognize that actor? No. Yeah. Was it Marty Feldman? Guy who played Igor and Young Frankenstein? Well, he's dead, so he's it can't really be him dead. unless they did a hologram. I think, he, I think he died from eating oysters. I doubt they would have gotten hologram. We need Marty Feldman holograms. I mean, sure, but that... If um, you can pick a another late 60s British comedian to have a hologram perform in front of you at Bonnaroo, Chris, who's it going to be? What? <laughs> If I was performing at Bonnaroo and I had to have a hologram from the 60s open? Yes. Wow, that's a bad... i got to think about that. Late um, 60s let's get one-eyed back to that. comedian. I'm wait. giving you a lot of... I'm giving you a lot of... Oh, wait, of you're a, telling me who I should get? Yeah. Who? One-eyed comedian? Can't take Marty Feldman. He's out. Comedian? Comedian. Not a singer? Not a singer. Any... Are you talking about Benny Hill? That works. That totally but he didn't works. have one eye. He didn't, but I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let you. Who are you talking issue. about? I like Marty Feldman. He had one eye. He had one eye. Oh yeah. Couldn't you tell? They, no, he had bulging eyes, but I didn't. Oh, think you're he right. Had, he had some disease that made his eyes. Yeah, bulge. he didn't have an eye. He didn't have one you're eye. You're right. You're right. I, Sammy I, Davis Jr. had a glass eye, but I was thinking he's not a comedian. Why couldn't Sammy Davis Jr. have been in this movie? Wouldn't you have loved to hear Sammy Davis Jr. try to help her get off of the speed, kiddo? Anything. There were no black people in this movie at all. They put one half black person in it. Oh, that's right. They made the, the, the piano. Band the band leader. band leader, yeah. yeah. And I think, oh, good God, I think there was a black footman. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. But, yeah, it was... Period, uh, period authentic, I guess. Probably. Uh, so, if I were going to have a late 60s hologram open up for me and I had any choice and it wasn't just one-eyed comedians... I would probably choose, um, you know that guy, um, what's the name of that, you know that guy who sang that song, Fire, 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 like that, 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 that uh, Arthur, it's called like Arthur, Crisscross. Arthur Rambeau's mysterious, <laughs> <laughs> mysterious gang or something, it was the name of the band, and they had that song that was like, Fire. Dun, 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 like like keyboards and like he and he performed on stage where, with a helmet that had was lit on fire. No, this is amazing. Well, there. I mean, it was just he had a he was a one hit wonder, um, and he performed with like a lantern on his head that this was is like the British Tiny Tim on fire. This is and, amazing. Um, he started out as like a street performer, I think. Oh, is this Post Malone? <laughs> similar. <laughs> yeah. Similar. I mean, if Post Malone, if I gave a sh- if if. I hate Post Malone, but if I were to not hate him, he could at least put the effort in to wear a helmet that is on fire, I and then see, I would care more about him. I see videos of Post Malone performing to like 60,000 people in sweatpants. Oh, he's hugely popular. Yeah. I mean, hugely popular. That's amazing. With low IQ people. <laughs> and I think he was like a YouTube acoustic guitar guy. He is hideous. <laughs> In every respect, and he's huge, of course. I kind of like that one song that's in the Spider-Man cartoon. 
That's the level of con- converse we're having right now. You know now. what's kind of sad, and I, I, I do think this speaks badly of this film, is that you really could have made this, if you just changed the outfits, this could have been the um, Amy Winehouse story. Yeah. So that's how it's by the book it was. Yeah. I mean, it really wasn't very specific. You really didn't get a lot of information about Judy Garland. No. You got a cartoon... A, a fable about show business is what you got. Right. The, the parts that I enjoyed the most were when they used actual quotes from her life because she really was a witty and interesting person. Yeah, the person. interview, actually. That interview yeah. where she did on television and, was cool. And why couldn't we have delved into that? But you know what? To have uh, a meaningful character, there has to be interaction between other meaningful characters to bring it to life. And the fact that she was the only one of any substance really kind of failed the picture. Yeah, do you think... She had this assistant, this woman, who was like... I, when she got to London, she, she went to London it. to try and make money to, so she right. could get her kids in a stable situation, but she couldn't bring her kids to London because of the custody situation. Right. So she ended up having to go by herself, which was like the beginning of the end, sort of. Because she, apparently, the way this movie made it, that she was only really healthy when she was around her kids because they that, that was what made her happy. Right. Um... So she gets there, and there's like, she's got this run of dates in London, and they're going to pay her because she's still big in London. And in the States, she's kind of like, nobody takes her serious in the States anymore because she's fucked up too many times, like been drunk on stage and stuff. So in London, they still love her. So she goes over there, and um, the the woman who's like meets her at the airport kind of person who's going to be a personal assistant for the whole time, like she should have been the character that save the movie but they yeah. gave her nothing they yeah, gave her abs- I kept stalk. waiting for a yeah. moment <laughs> between so those two they never gave it to her I couldn't believe that it was that was like the most failing of all the characters like they had so many quiet moments together and there right. was ne- none of them blossomed into a single conversation so no. you never learned a thing about that other never once the scene where after she'd been fired from the English production where she the, or Judy the assistant and the half black band leader yes meat for cake the cake motif continues somehow and, and it, I don't know why treacle is such a big thing in this picture but it is but when they meet for cake what's treacle is the most unearned it's sponge cake I was oh, trying to I be never British heard of that. I'm sorry <laughs> it's the most unearned garbage scene of the movie so brimstone and treacle is about brimstone and sponge cake it is and what is brimstone and treacle I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a movie it, um Here's I kind of liked. Please her. write into the what's the name of this podcast? Food Court. Food Court. Please movie write podcast. into Food at Court. Us. Please at Food Court, Court Movie Podcast if you know what Brimstone and Treacle is, we, and we whether know, that's we know a what sponge treacle cake, is, and we know what Brimstone is. Is it always that though? We don't know what Brimstone and Treacle means. Are. Nothing if it's cake. I kind of liked her husband as played by Rufus Sewell. He was okay. He was kind of just doing like a Robert Duvall in Godfather impression. He, he's another guy who didn't have to do anything. It worked for me, He though. just picked up a paycheck. I mean, yeah. that was all about looks. He just looked like an old-time boyfriend. <laughs> he looked good in old clothes. You know what I mean? How do I get Her that ex-husband. Job. I just want to play old-timey boyfriends. They don't make enough movies to, like... I don't think there are enough bio... Well, actually, these days, there's so many period pieces. You Freddie might be able Mercury, to... Elton John just got one. Elton John got to be the executive producer of his own biopic. But that was a good example of... See that one. Why does that matter about why? Who cares that he's executive producer of his own biopic? Do you get to make your own biopic? That seems wrong. Chris, we've been over that's, this. You that's have some to be low, dead. That's some pretty low level corruption. You got to be dead, man. Compared to the rest of society. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, 
Uh, I would say that yeah, that's an example of like they had a they had the band leader, Judy's handler, and Judy in a scene at a table, and they didn't do anything with it. They no. just had her eat cake. Yes. They gave her a cake. She ate the cake. That was it. It was about a an probably a minute, a minute and a half, two minute scene. And the eating of the cake was supposed to mean something. I think it was supposed to be just funny or something. And she finally got to eat, eat cake because she never got to eat cake when she was little. Yeah. And then she ate the tiniest piece, which is supposed to be real sad. Yeah. It was. But those two didn't. Once again, those two characters didn't get to do anything. They no. just said, "Hello, here's some cake." Hello, Judy. Here's some cake. I'm your band leader. I'm the lady who's been taking care of you for the whole movie. Here's cake. There was no connection between any characters ever. I might be yelling into this microphone. I don't know because I don't have I don't have headphones on, so I don't know. I feel like I should yell. We're in a food court right now in a mall, (laughs) for real. And that's the bell that denotes probably someone just did a bungee jump or something. (laughs) There's a bunch of rides in the mall. There's I'm I'm right. We're right near... No, actually, that was the bell that signified the beginning of the carousel. Yes. Now, carousels used to be outdoors, but these poor kids have to be in this... Basically, you're on a carousel in a shoe store. Look, it's the closest any of these kids are getting to ride in a chariot or a horse or any of the things that are on carousels. Right. A dragon. It seems like a carousel shouldn't be inside a food court. It seems like one of the... What's not inside this food court? On the way here, we saw people having dental procedures... Okay, that was Inside the weirdest. Inside of a mall. That was, we should take a picture of that. I mean, that was incredible. I don't understand it, but there's a booth where they normally sell, like, drones. Usually kiosks, yeah, you get drones. Or cologne or, like, or something, yeah. and this one had a dentist in it. Yeah. And he was wearing, like, a dentist outfit. He was a dentist. And there, I was like, I thought it had to be for show. Like, it looked like a dentist's office, but I figured it was just where you go in and read brochures about going to a real dentist's no, office. sir. But there was a person in there. With a fucking thing in her mouth. And like, she was, and. Full on marathon, man. Apparently, you could get cosmetic surgery in your mouth, (laughs) dental surgery. You get your teeth. She was getting her teeth whitened. I think is I think what you that could was. Get LASIK just three. Is it cheaper up? if you do it in public like that? Absolutely. I hope so. Absolutely. Do you think so though? I bet they're tr- charging standard rates. Probably so. But the thing about the mall, Chris, is you can have it all here, man. You don't ever have to leave. Yeah. You're always the caretaker here. It's a, it's just a perfect place. It's a wonderland. I'm glad you endured it with me. Well, I mean, it's it's fun. This is I mean, this is a great format. Are you I ready? Lo- are you ready to get back to L.A. or what? <laughs> you know, L.A. is just like this, except spread out. L.A. is an outdoor mall. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think in L.A. most of the time the the merry-go-rounds are outside. Yeah. But I'll give you that. This is okay. And the people on them are a lot better looking. Everybody in here, that's the truth. Everybody in here seems pretty happy, though. I mean, I would definitely say that when you're in a mall like this, you realize why Donald Trump is president. (laughs) And on that note, we're going to move to the last segment. Chris, give me your Maalox plug at the end of the show. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Any social media we should be following you at, et cetera, et cetera? Oh, fuck, yeah. That's the only reason I did this thing. Um... Follow me on on Twitter at, at the Crofton Show, and the then follow Crofton me show. at the Crofton Show, and then follow uh, me on uh, Instagram, Chris underscore Crofton, for my famous cold brew got me like memes that 
Where is that's where I make most of my money. So those are on Instagram too. I thought it was just oh, Twitter. It's all Instagram. Ah, so, oh, I'm so far behind. So uh, it's been you know, it's a hell of a life I put together for myself. I'm in control of our Instagram for this show. He doesn't do anything, and I'm presently locked out of the account. That's terrible. <laughs> what did you do? Did you post nudity? I don't know. I think I had an I had like an old 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 password. Oh, you lost the password. You didn't. Get, and it was like four digits. You didn't get banned. No, no oh, nudity. Okay. Well, I might have like I could have. It could have been pocket nudity. Pocket nudity? If my phone was in my pocket, I figure that's and I what wasn't you meant. wearing underpants. I just wanted to have you explain. <laughs> and I had the flash on. You, you don't think pocket nudity's ever happened? Wonder if that happens a lot. My I feel dad, like maybe that's my how dad, I got that, my dad posted a picture of his own, is like his legs <laughs> yeah. in bed by mistake. Sure. To Instagram, it went up. Like he didn't just take a picture of his legs; he accidentally posted it too. I have taken po- pictures of things that were in my lap and sent them to people, and then realized later, dear God. My dick and balls are in that picture. My dad actually posted a picture of his legs by mistake, and upside down, too. It was like an upside-down picture of Absolutely. him in shorts. And that was just, yeah, that was luck that that was now, enough. Now, luckily, my dick and balls, they're not, you can't tell what they are. You need to be told. You need context clues. So, luckily, I got out scot-free. But by Jove, they were in the photo. I was just trying to send, like, some musical charts, but sure enough, there they were. Musical charts? Yeah. Is that slang for something? <laughs> Uh, okay, so yeah, follow me on all that shit, and then also listen to my award-winning album "Hello, It's Me," which is real music, not there it is. not even not even jokes. Called "Hello, It's Me" on uh, Spotify and all the rest of that shit, and then read my fucking advice column too. <laughs> the Advice King. Yeah, I have at so many. Nashvillescene.com. I've got more. You can get it. At just Google. Like just you, Google. You're such a hustler. You, you've got all these revenue streams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's it. Court is adjourned. Bon appetit, Chris. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, it was fun. Thank you. We'll do it again sometime. We'll do it out next time. I'm in LA. We'll do the new Beverly. I love it. That'll be fun. Ta-ta. A lot of fun. Bon appetit. That was very convincing. Bye-bye. <laughs>